Hello and welcome to a new episode on Women with Stories. Today I have a very special guest who I believe she's a, a role model for persistent and to pursue a dream. Uh, she's from Australia, Sydney. Uh, she decided to move to France in 2018 uh, to pursue her life dream and to start a new business with her partner. She has a degree in archaeology. She has her own hotel in Mayenne, which is in northwest France, called Hotel de Orsay. Uh, her life is full of challenges and uh, surprises. Vanessa, welcome to Moon Stories podcast. Oh, hello. Thank you so much for inviting me to, uh, to join you this evening. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, so tell me first, how's life there in uh, Mayan? I've never been there. And uh, why you chose to settle there in the first place? Um, we chose to settle here after a, a long journey. It took us 14 months from the idea till we uh, arrived and with the big key to get in. We looked for a particular place to live in France to fit our business model so that we could earn a living. And um, we had many aspects for our business, for the location in relation to Paris and the TGV transport, as well as wanting somewhere beautiful and to find the, the perfect uh, residence to drag uh, people all the way from Australia and Canada and America all over the world to come all the way to quite Mayenne to stay with us. Yeah, that's cool. And it was your life dream to to come here to France? What is so special about, about the country, France, for you? I was th thinking about this question the other day and I'm thinking, what was this um, elusive dream? What was this, uh, what was this thing that said, you know, not Italy, not Germany, not England, but, but France? And I don't know the answer. I have traveled in France in 1984 when I was 21 with a big backpack on my back and, uh, and a man in tow who I, who I was married to for a very long time. And um, I loved it. But why I wanted to come, I, don't, I felt compelled. I, can't, I don't have a specific answer, but I wanted to live in Europe and I wanted to live surrounded by the depth of history and time that I feel very drawn to. Okay, that sounds interesting. So, uh, how long you have been opening the hotel now? Um, I think we must be very close to one year, very, very close to our anniversary of one year of being open. I think we opened um, at the beginning of April, uh, 12 months ago, officially. You know, when all the paperwork came through and the numbers and the serial number and uh, the final reservations, uh, renovations were, were, well, well, the renovations so far were complete so we could open our doors officially. Okay. Mm. So tell me with all this situation that's happening with the virus and how that affected your, your business it, now. It's, it's very dramatic. It's very dramatic. Um, at the beginning of uh, February, we had extraordinary bookings all the way through to December, and uh, we were looking already to exceed our first budget from last year already and to make our new target for our new budget for this year. And it was very exciting and lots of uh, good holiday bookings that I had done a lot of work, all customized and designed for the individual clients. 
and uh, fifty percent of that is uh, is gone. We have just watched it uh, disappear month to month, and um, this week, with some other announcements in Australia about pending closing international flights, we've had big cancellations today, which uh, later on in the year. So it's been um, it's been very uh, devastating, and it's uh, we've had to be very brave just to to watch it happen. But many of these customers will come back. But um, of course. We all need to earn a living every year. We can't just go, oh, I won't have any money for a year. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's terrible. But yeah. what can we do? Everyone is in the same position. Many, many people. Yeah, everyone in the same position, yeah. And it's tough for everyone. But count me in. I will come to visit you. <laughs> <laughs> I've, never, I've never been there in Miami. I've never... Uh, know about that and don't know about the, the the city there no well many people don't it's um it's interesting because it's a department the department 53 and it's a town and it's a river so we live in uh, mayan mayan on the mayan which is very confusing we've had um, arguments in paris with waiters who said you can't be buying a house in Mayenne. It's a department. There's no town. And you're going, well, 15,000 people live here very quietly. It's not a big um, tourist destination. It's uh, very French, which is why we, it's very attractive. We wanted to, our clients to come when they go down the street to the brasserie or to lunch or to shop or to the bank. There's only French people. It's just French life day-to-day -day, just organic and natural and surrounded by just the natural pace of life rather than the frantic tourism and some places we decided against uh, pursuing because there was too much uh, tourists we are a slow tourism model um a place where people who have executive and corporate lives who the people who can afford to travel can come with no screens and uh, no TV and it's quiet and it's the opposite to their day-to-day -day life. Yeah, yeah, but because it's important to get away from the busy life and try to escape and go into this other lifestyle. It's really good. Yes, and to be more friendly. <laughs> And I love your hotel because it has it's a, it has like a French touch on it. A French touch? I, yeah, the design. Mean? The design is very French. Well, I have done very little. I've just um, furnished it. Um, I have designed a couple of the rooms and upstairs where I'm, I'm now. We have we have redecorated, but the the grand salons downstairs are. Uh, pretty much as we bought the house, they were des uh, decorated by the previous owner in the 1980s, couldn't you believe? And uh, we have just put the light fittings back and new furniture and mirrors and curtains. Um, so we had to buy somewhere. The house is too big. If it had required that much redecorating, we couldn't simply could not have afforded to, to buy it because... Mm -hmm. It's just the salons are in uh, are vast. They, well, they're vast to me. I come from a very a tiny two bedroom flat in um, in Sydney, so it seemed we could live in uh, we could have lived in the main salon. I think 
<laughs> where we lived before. <laughs> okay. Well, I I want just to wish you good luck on on this oh. on this journey. <laughs> Um, so I was reading your answers to, to my questions. You had always this vision or a uh, life dream that you hold on and stick on it uh, with it. So how do you keep up your vision and not giving up when you have tough challenges coming? coming? I think um, from even in my 20s, I had some very clear things I wanted from my life and um, I wanted to to marry the man that um, that uh, was the father of my children which I did and I wanted to have three children which I did and then the elusive goal which was to for me which was to go to university was a dream that I was very hungry for I had a great uh, first for knowledge and for learning but with a learning difficulty that I had when I was at school I did not finish high school and although I could read very well I could not write particularly well a poor and so this was a major barrier for me in many aspects of my life and the first uh, the first 40 years of my life really for employment and the sort of work that I did but and I was very jealous of my friends who went from high school and went on to university and they treated it very, uh, they were very c'est la vie. It was just, oh, I'm at uni and this, and for me, I was just, that's all I wanted to do. And um, it took me till I was 40 and the year I turned 40, I managed to uh, have overcome enough to uh, enroll in a preparation course, which I, did exceptionally well. I worked ridiculously hard. Ridic I had to learn how to sort of handwrite and how to take notes. And I had to have, and my nieces and nephews came in to teach me how to write essays and how to learn and study for an exam. And I had to learn all these things from a, at, at a very basic level. But I did very well. And I got into, uh, into the University of Sydney, into their archaeology school, which was uh, a life's dream. And I just thought, well, if I just pass, you know, then I will still have achieved a lot. But again, I worked ridiculously hard. And I only did two subjects a semester because I had three children and a dog and a career husband to look after. And I went on and uh, eventually was offered uh, honours, which is a final um, year that you can do. And I was offered honours in archaeology and in heritage studies and in medieval wow. studies. And I took uh, archaeology because it was uh, practical and it gave me a qualification and a profession. And there's no medieval studies really in Australia. So that was a bit uh, pointless. Um, and uh, and I and I and I did my I got my archaeology. So my dream was to go to university, to go to university and do archaeology, to go to university to do archaeology and uh, graduate with honors, which I did. So it was uh, it was uh, the proudest thing I think I've done in my life because <laughs> it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah, it's the hardest and it's very challenging. And I'm just. Like I'm cheering, cheering up for you because it's very hard to <laughs> to like stop studies and gen and then follow the studies at the age of forty. So, 
what happened uh, what changed your mindset and said like yeah i wanted to do to finish my studies and at the age of 40 like you were persistent what happened did something shifted in your mind or um a couple of things shifted um opportunity so um my youngest child started school so i had the time in the day whereas prior to that that was my third child i had not really the the time i had tried a university preparation course before and i had failed so and and so i chose a different subject i'd done ancient history and that did not work for me so i did uh, um, fine arts or, or arts art history which was something i was very familiar with so um i changed the subject i got a lot more help and asked for help i did the course over a year instead of six months so i didn't do it fast so i had time to learn and the the big thing for me was the the computer was being able to use a computer so being able to use a keyboard to write slowed down my cognitive output process a little and the computer tell, told me every time there was a spelling mistake or a grammar mistake and if I, I spelling was very difficult and so if I did not know how to spell a word because you have to be able to spell a word to fix it mm. um, uh, they have these wonderful things called synonyms and so I could put in a different word and maybe there would be a list that would show me how to spell or write the word I wanted. So this gave me an enormous amount of freedom. I could change um, the fonts that I wrote in so I could write in uh, fonts that are easier to read, which is uh, uh, an aspect of dyslexia. And, um, and I just, you know, I took six times longer than everybody else. And my, 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 uh, my husband at the time was very helpful as well, very supportive. So it's just bloody determination, I think. <laughs> A very Australian expression. <laughs> I love it. Bloody determination. <laughs> so um, I loved your quotation when you said, uh, when you try a new goal, it may not work out. Be prepared to walk away. Uh, when do you know it's time to give up on things? Um, I've done this many times in my life. I've tried, I have followed many dreams. I started my life um, as an actress and went through and had an acting diploma. But once I graduated, I was going to castings with beautiful young models. And if they wanted the model, they didn't want me. And if they, um, and I wasn't, uh, I wanted more. And in the end, it was too difficult to fight the system and it took too long to get paid. And eventually you need money in the bank every week to earn money. So, you know, money is a great measure of all things for all people to survive. I think when it's no longer working for you, when you are distressed, when your quality of life suffers, people who are determined in a workplace to pursue a career and they are perhaps being... Uh, bullied by a boss or in a very destructive and unhealthy work environment and they're going oh, I just got to push through I just got to push through you know and you know what you don't actually have to push through sometimes it's better to go you know what this particular path has got a big concrete wall in front of it for me and I need to walk away and go back and center 
and try a new path. You might try a new path to do the same thing, but you take a new direction and one that will let you through. Um, and uh, there's no point losing your quality of life, your mental health, your sense of well-being, your dignity. There are many things that can get stripped away when um, your life or your career is not working for you and um, your sense of well-being. Maybe I've become more zen as I've uh, got older because I was certainly very fiery and uh, when, I, when I was younger and now it's a more quiet determination. But I just do not think anymore that anything is worth it. The prize is not worth it if you destroy yourself on the way. Right. And many right. women do this, many, many women. That's a really powerful message because also me, when I things are not going into what I wanted to, I'm, I'm stressed, I'm like, I'm angry about that. But now I realize that it's okay. Things not working out. Maybe it's not for me. I can just change and do something else. Yes, and I, listening to some of your um, other guests that you've interviewed, Many of them have, 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 have been along this same journey and they've said, I, I went, I tried a wonderful idea, I gave it a go and for whatever reason it didn't work or whatever and now I find myself in new circumstances and so I take a deep breath and a bit of a cry and distress and I think and you, you know, you stand back up again and you say, okay, what am I going to do today? Um, and, and I think it's um, a, something that we see in many of the women's stories um, of the ladies that you have interviewed. Yeah, and that's why I'm doing this. I wanted to share stories and to see how people overcame their challenges and they're not giving up. And they, even if it doesn't work out, they do something else. So yeah, that's, that's the main goal behind all this. Just not trying to... Um, think alone and say yeah i'm not worth it i you know just trying to listen to other stories try to listen to your story which is very uh, i'm very inspired by your story by the way because like you, oh, you try to each time in your in the stage in your life you try to make a new goal and you have visions and you have life dreams and just young women listen to your story, they will, be, they will be very inspired by you. You know, I've tried dress designing, which is what I did when I left school. Um, that did not work for me because of my uh, literacy and my lack, of it, my, my lack of ability to write. I found it too difficult to participate in the educational aspect of what I was doing. And I have tried acting, but I, you know, I don't, didn't want to be in a soap opera on television. I liked Shakespeare. So I was probably in the wrong country for that, for Australia. And, and yet, but I have done that. I've had that journey. I've gone along, I've done it. I've tried it. I've had the experience. And so it does enrich your life. And even if you don't end up earning a lot of money or it being it, you've never lost from what you've learned ever ever it's always something that you um that you take on with you in on, onto your on, onto the next part and our life is in stages as well you know as very as young growing beautiful young women and then women in our 20s and then a slightly more confident more um, focused woman in our 30s and the maturity and the dynamism of 40 and then 50 is liberating 
<laughs> 50 is when the fun begins. <laughs> I love that. I really love that. <laughs> so uh, tell me more about your life dreams and your vision. So what I liked about the journey that you have always uh, a dream or vision to pursue. So what's your next step now? Well, I'm in the middle of my next, my next step. My last unfulfilled dream was to live in Europe. And when I decided to end a, a exceptionally long marriage and to step out into the world with uh, very, very, very little, it's the biggest risk I ever took in my life. But not only did I want to, I thought I've got 25 years left. I want to live it. I want to enjoy it. I don't want to become an old person with this, in this unhappiness that I am. I wanted to fall in love again and I wanted to have a lover. And um, that was fun. <laughs> Um, that was very exciting. That's one of the, the, the liberating things of women in their fifties is they're more, they're more self-assured and that's quite uh, sexy and quite attractive. Um, and uh, I'm now married to this said uh, lover. He wanted to get married and uh, that took a little bit of convincing for me. And so together we are enjoying this next, uh, this last, this last journey for me, or the last one on my list, which involved um having a lovely man in my life and um someone to share the journey with me a friend uh, a confidant uh, someone i could talk to and share and do things and just as well because matthew and i spend uh, a lot of time together now you know we're not going out to work every day we we live here and we spend a huge amount of time together and we have the shared passions for history and archaeology and medieval history and he's a medieval historian and so we work a lot on the tour development and we do a lot of i do writing for him and writing for me for the background for our tours and research for our clients and so i'm in it at the moment i'm in europe i've got here it was it took me a long time to get here and uh we have some very serious barriers at the moment because of course we are on visas and we have to earn a certain amount of money to stay. We are lucky we are on a special entrepreneur's visa, which gives us a, a lot more flexibility than if you are just on a, a year to year visa because we've made a big investment into France and that's mm. been recognized. And we've had a lot of support from the French government, which has been, uh, which has been amazing, amazing because the Australian government does not do such things. And so for now, I, I am in it. I'm in my last stage. I'm in Europe. So I just being here, beautiful views, beautiful house, beautiful neighbors. It's all, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Uh, as you know, living with a foreign, in a foreign language and everything, you have to relearn everything. It's a bit like being a baby. Yeah. But I'm, and this is, uh, this is, this is the next uh, 10 years perhaps for us um, because the house is very big and um, I'm nearly 60. So maybe by the time I'm 72 or 73, maybe the house might be too big and we might move on to a smaller stage of our French life, but we plan to do that together. So I can't believe I'm here. I, I, created an opportunity I created a space in my life by leaving 
a marriage and when you have three children and all these things and very little income it's a it's a very difficult thing to do anyone who says ah oh, but you can get a divorce divorce is easy has never ever been through a divorce and uh, i was with my ex for nearly 30 years so it's a very large part of my life that i walked away that i that i ended and yet the space that was created allows new things to come into that space so if your life life is so full and so closed there's no room for opportunity or for you to see or for new friendships or um to come into your life whether they're people or colleagues or opportunities you have to make space for that and having that trust is the most incredibly difficult thing to do mm. very difficult because we like to control i like to control i'm going to do this and you know and you can't you've got to open your life up and matthew is uh, very much he says um see it see it in your head look create the pictures and you will your life will head towards those yeah. pictures and you will it, 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 you will instinctively move towards that and he's not been wrong he has not not been wrong and uh i have a lot more trust in life now than i used to i yeah, don't feel like it's like having this board vision creating board vision having this vision stuck in mind and trying to achieve it and it's very strong to have a vision to see where you're going to create i'm a i think in pictures anyway i don't think in words which is sort of quite logical given the dyslexia but um but but a lot of people do think in pictures and whether that picture is uh is france or uh, whether it's a house by the sea or whether it's uh, you want to write a book or whether you want to do a podcast or you want to um just just to continue on um if you can see it then then perhaps that's part of your life will come to you and maybe that's what's happened to me i would like to if i'm not talking too much tell a little story yeah about where where this the first thing I had on my list of the five things I wanted to talk about with you was the very, very first picture, the very first idea that came to a small child's life, which was me. And I was about seven or eight. And my mother bought me a book on Tutankhamun, on Egyptian archeology span and Howard Carter. It's just a little book with a few black and white pictures. And it was nothing like the uh, the typical English uh, fairy stories I needed Blyton and sort of romantic children's literature that was on my shelves at home. And I don't know why, I never asked her why she bought me this book. And uh, that was it. So from about eight, before I couldn't even spell archaeology, and it took me a long time to learn how to spell archaeology, I wanted to be an archaeologist. I wanted to go to Egypt. I was completely fascinated by the past lives, the idea that you could reveal and have a window into time because you're time traveling when you're an archaeologist. And that single book really was the number one trigger that, that, that has been with me as a life force for mm. my entire life. And, I, and I've never waved, well, I did waver from it a little in that, um, I didn't study Egyptian archaeology when I went to university. I had to choose. And um, 
the university I went to offered me a wide stream. So I did uh, uh, the Middle East and I did um, a little bit of Greek archaeology and Roman archaeology and I did Australian um, Aboriginal prehistoric archaeology. So it gave me where I went, I had the chance to have a, a big picture look and I didn't, uh, and I'm not particularly interested in Egyptian archaeology anymore because I found far more interesting things to think about. <laughs> Okay, so talking about cultures and countries, uh, what attracts you here in the most in France about the culture of France? Uh, I think there's incredibly deep time here. You know, where we live, and, and I'm sure all of France is the same, and I know parts of Germany are, but where we live here, we have many, many towns and locations that have been consistently occupied for two and a half thousand years. You know, we go back before the Romans and we go back into the Galois and we go back before then to the prehistoric and to the, to the Iron Age and to the Bronze Age people, of which we know very, very little um, because they're not, uh, they don't leave a written record. But here in France, you know, you, you, you go somewhere and you go, Oh, 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 there's, oh, yes, okay, so medieval walls. Oh, yes, oh, yes, well, that was built on top of the Roman walls. Oh, yes, well, the Roman walls are on top of, oh, yes, there was a Galois fortress here. Oh, yes, but in the Galois fortress, oh, yes, they found these tools, those Stone Age tools, prehistoric tools, and da, da, da. And it's just, there's a life force in the energy and the land here in France for me that, that, that gives life and sustenance to, to humans and has done without a break. There's no break in time and in people living and thriving and fighting. They've done an awful lot of fighting here and conflict. And there's a, there's a real dynamism to, 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 to French history and French time and French life. And we, it's not defined necessarily like say Italy is, which has, the Roman Empire, da da da, is this extraordinary eight nine hundred year period of this uh, amazing culture that rose and fell, as many things do. But France ticks along. Hmm. France evolves in these in these um, steps, and it emerges, and it rolls, and it continues. And all around us here, which is one of the reasons that we chose here depending on what our clients are interested in. If they're interested in the Galois, we can go and do that. If they're interested in Roman sites, we can go and do that. They're very modest, admittedly, but they are here. Caesar was in Gaul, this is Gaul. And then we have our high top um, chateaus. William the Conqueror, um, Guillaume the Conqueror was all through the Mayenne and all through Normandy. He sieged every single high top or chateau in the region. And there were military uh, uh, um, medieval chateaus nearly every 15 kilometers through here. They are everywhere. Just, you know, as far as you could ride, then there's another one. Well, he attacked them all. There's a unique siege camp that's built on top of a Galois camp um, uh, encampment that is not that far from here, um, where William the Conqueror was. And so it goes on. And that particular town called uh, Saint-Suzanne 
well, you can still go and have lunch there today and visit the village and, uh, and go to the antique shop and um, visit the Norman uh, period castle. And it's all still there. It's never stopped. Mm. Wow. A lot of, a lot of history and information. I didn't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So let, let's wrap it up with, with two final questions. Uh, what scares you now, Vanessa? Uh, I think one of my life scares is to run out of money, but that's uh, completely consistent. I, I think um, my father went bankrupt twice when I was a child. God love him. He's still alive, but he did. And, uh, and so we were always a little, we were always worried about money. So I think I still worry about money. So that scares me and uh, losing loved ones having people you love die from your life i think that's the uh, people you treasure mm. i think that's the other thing so love and money there we go the two <laughs> things <laughs> yeah and i wanted to ask a question i forgot to ask you it's um, how someone can find the perfect life partner especially for young women how they can uh, try to figure out to find someone can share life with? You know, when we uh, find our life partner when we are young, I think we're too naive in many ways to make the decision. However, we don't have any choice, do we? Because all we can ever do in life is make the best decision with what we know. So what would I say? I would say, it has to be a partnership. You can't be somebody's mother and they can't be your gatekeeper. And you must be able to share your space and your life and your love. And if it's not based on all levels of equality, whether it be gender equality, uh, financial equality, emotional equality, it can't be one-sided one can't love more than the other there has to be a great love affair there passion and friendship which is an unusual combination and so equality is the number one i think for women i don't think it's an issue for men but i think it's a, the biggest issue for a woman to be sustained in a lifelong relationship she needs a man a, a partner whether it's another woman or, or, or a man, a partner who will treat her exactly the same way as they like to be treated themselves. So do unto others, which is a Christian quote, and I'm not a practicing Christian, but it's a good one. Do unto others as you would have do to you. <laughs> wow, so much wisdom. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, thank you, Vanessa, for your time. I really loved and enjoyed uh, the interview. Um, and I'm very pleased that I talked to you and have you on the show. So, uh, and your story is very inspiring.